Hey, we're back. Oh, and we're rolling. And she beat me to it. <laughs> I was waiting and I was ready. I was ready to be super quick to On beat you mark. to it. I was. I feel that. Was. I'm impressed with your speediness. Thank you, my friends. <laughs> and your accuracy. Thank you. You didn't like stumble through it or call yourself the wrong name. Not yet. I haven't introduced myself yet. Go for it. I'm Abby. I'm Jen. And this is Shifting Our Stories. Sure is. <laughs> so, um, so it is September 11th. It sure is. 2021. 2021. I know. 20 years. 20-year 20 anniversary. Crazy. Yeah. I feel like, hang on, this is going to be a slight digression of the point. Because <laughs> we don't ever do that on this show. But can we come up with a different word? I feel like anniversary is used for really happy, happy events things. and really sad events. And I want there to be a different word for mm. <laughs> for one or the other. I don't care which one we're sad anniversary. No. I mean, we can change the happy word. I don't care. <laughs> I'm with you. It needs, there should be something that. I feel like there should be a different word. Yeah. I like that. I'm very into lately, like words matter, like what words you choose. Sure. Matter. They do. So I I can, I have not thought about that, but I can definitely support this motion to find a different word for down anniversaries so like i don't remembrance days i don't have a solution to this problem but i'm presenting the problem to our listeners because maybe somebody is a wordsmith and they've got a really genius idea friends work your magic give us a new word yeah i need a new word i like that but in lieu of a new word it's a 20-year anniversary yeah of of sad like it was a really sad I don't know. Today kind of hit me different. Like, I mean, they always hit me pretty hard and I always cry on this day. But like thinking I've been doing a lot of reading um, of stories about things. And um, one of the ones that really struck me and I don't guess I ever thought of it in that capacity. But I was reading in EMS world um, some stories that they had gathered from people who were there mm-hmm. or had responded right after. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one guy worked for an ambulance service right across the river in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And he said they got, as soon as they heard it was all going down, they all got deployed. So they all headed to the station. They got there in their ambulances and they were headed for the site in the World Trade Centers. And he said somewhere along the route, they got rerouted and were told to go to different location and basically set up like a mash unit, like a triage area that they would direct victims to. Sure. And he says, so we got there and we set all our stuff up and we waited. He says, and we waited for victims that never came. Hmm. And I like, what an empty feeling that. Yes. And I I guess that's what hit me as, because I thought, man, I, I get that. Like, I get that feeling of, okay, here's where the problem is. I'm going to go here and be ready for all these hurt and sick people. And I can help be part of the solution. And yeah. I can do this. And then to go, and I I can't imagine sitting there and hours going by and what that realization must have felt like coming over them when they realized, like, people aren't coming. Well. Not because nothing happened, but because there's nobody to come to us. Yeah. But in that same token, you had that realization. Now, I'm I'm just imagining and projecting here what sure. I assume it would feel like. But while you're having that realization that there's nobody coming, at the same time, you can't let your guard down because you're still waiting yeah. for somebody to come that you have to be 100% on your game and ready, ready for. Ready to go, yeah. So... Like those two completely opposite sides at the same time, you know, there's nobody coming, but also I have to be ready just in case. Well, because even if that one person shows up, you have we to need be, to be there to take care of them. Yeah. yeah. But it just, it struck me as so like, oh, what a hollow, empty feeling yeah, to I be. I can't think of another description. No, though. I mean, to, to know that. To know that people were hurt. I mean, clearly, (laughs) buildings collapsed. We saw it happen. Clearly, people have been hurt. And then nobody coming to us. 
well, like, and they know we're here. So the, they would I know coming. that they're going to be directing them to me and, and there's nobody coming. Right. Well, and you're the, you're the fixers, you're the mm-hmm. helpers, you're the healers in that situation. Yeah. And there wasn't even anybody to come to the fixers and the healers and the helpers. Mm-hmm. I saw a picture earlier and I might have seen it last year. Maybe, maybe it's been floating around. I don't know. But it was kind of putting a picture to the point of how different we are as a world and society this year than we had been in the past. And like you and I were talking about it just a little bit earlier about, you know, on 9-12, everybody was just flooding first responders and Mm -hmm. hospital workers and I mean anybody in that kind of profession that could lend aid we were flooding them with love and support and compassion and now our world is in such a different place where instead of flooding them with compassion we're protesting outside hospitals and rebelling against police police stations and yeah and Instead of loving and honoring all these people who have chosen to pursue a life of helping and aiding and showing compassion to other people at the expense of their own family time and life sometimes, how, what a 180 we've done in our attitude as a society and as a world. And so to get back to the picture that I had seen was an NYPD officer just walking out of the dust and the rubble covered from head to toe, just in the, you know, in the dirt and dust that, you know, would have landed on him just being anywhere near the towers that day with his head hung low. And then the next picture, is an NYPD officer with a woman, you know, two inches from his face, not even just screaming at him. And, and the point of that was just where, where have we, where have we How do gone? we get here? <laughs> where, did, yeah, what happened that <clears throat> yeah. we used to honor and love and respect all these people, not just police officers, but like I said, yeah. and now we're well, society in general. hospitals. But yeah, think about it in, in you know, in the months I mean, especially the days immediately after, but like in the months that followed, it was, there was so much love and just caring for one another, Yeah. regardless of who you were or if I knew you. Like, it wasn't just that we loved our first response. I mean, we did. I got into EMS, um... I became an EMT like two months before that happened. And you talked about that on and one I, of the episodes. Yeah. That, that really is what solidified. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew, I mean, it was, that. I had already gone through class and all that. But then when that happened, it was, yeah, like there was just this definite like, okay, this is, this is where this I'm is supposed right. to be. Like this is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there was just a general consensus of, I mean, we got to take care of each other. Right. Just people in people general. People in general. Like, society. Yes. And to contrast that with today where people don't hold doors for each other. They don't smile at each other. Like, there's there's so much animosity and division mm-hmm. that it just such stark contrast to where we were 20 years ago. Yeah. You know? And, like, yeah. I don't, it just, it's blown me away. And I've really been, it's been heavy on my mind and my heart, I think, the last couple of weeks. Well, and I think sometimes, not sometimes, tragedies can either bring us closer together or push us further apart, Mm -hmm. right? And 20 years ago, we experienced tragedy that you could look around the community and see how it was pulling people together. Mm -hmm. However, over the last year and a half, going on two years, we've experienced tragedies that have really creative deep creative created (laughs) deep division yeah in all sorts of ways and we've talked about this before too you know how not only have we been divided politically we've been divided 
emotionally, we've been divided physically, that we have truly experienced division. And so instead of coming together and allowing these opportunities to unite us, we're in such a different place than we were. And that was just 20 years ago. Right. Which, by the way, that makes me feel really, really old. (laughs) Did I say that was only 20 years ago? It was only 20 years ago. ago. It's fine. (laughs) I know. But, you know, like... <clears throat> the other thing that I think I've been has really been on my mind is again with that that stark contrast of things, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I talked about my experience, but there are tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of stories of people who saw that happen and enlisted or yeah. went to the police academy or the fire academy or went through a paramedic or an EMT class, you know, it drew people into service. Yeah. Um, how how can I help? How can I be a part of this? How can I, you know, do something? Right. Um, well, and then even the people that weren't enlisting in service were seeking out opportunities to support, to support. those yeah. in those services. Oh, yeah, for sure. And so in one way or another, like you said, it was drawing people to those professions, whether it was to pursue them themselves or pursue any way that we can support you mm-hmm. in that right. role that you're playing. Well, and now, you know, over the last year, between protests that have torn cities apart, yeah. um, the pandemic that has torn everything apart, let's just be honest, you know, um, what you're seeing now is a huge exodus from these service professions. I mean, in our city alone, there have been a ton of police officers that have retired or oh my gosh. or left. I mean, we know a handful that have left to go on and be realtors and or truck drivers or, you know, anything. I mean, they, they're just leaving the profession altogether. And we saw that, I think, with, you know, last year's protests. And this year, what we're seeing is medics and EMTs leaving, you know, nurses. And I, I don't know that doctors are leaving, but I've read a lot of articles, you know, doctors talking about compassion fatigue. And I think maybe the difference is the doctors realize it's just compassion fatigue and like, maybe they get through it better. I feel like in EMS, we see it as burnout and we're done. I'm, I'm burnt out and I'm done. And well, I feel like these two events, you know, nine eleven drew all these people in, yeah. called them into the service profession, and the COVID pandemic has is going to drive everybody away. Yeah, and it, you know, as someone who's been in EMS and this is where my heart is and this is what my life has been, it's it, it's heartbreaking to see that. And it's and it's not an easy time to be in any of those professions. No. Not just because you're because you're busy, right? I mean, let's be real, you all like to be busy. That's yeah. why you're in that. This is hard busy though. Profession. It's hard busy, but also we're at a point where there's not a baseline of support. Right. And I don't even just mean support from the public. I mean support from the systems that you're part of because you don't have the manpower, so you all are working crazy amounts. Yeah. You know, there might not be enough staff to <clears throat> man an extra truck or have enough cars in the division, so you're all just running ragged Yeah, because there's no slow days anymore, right? No, no. Like, there used to be, in yeah. the good old days, downtime, downtime mm-hmm. where you could catch your breath, catch up on the reports, catch up on just drinking a cup of coffee or eating a warm lunch. (laughs) I mean, but now (laughs) it's just runs are stacked. Call after call. You don't have the support. You don't have the support of, like I said, of coworkers and manpower because there's just not enough. Right. And then there's not the support I know that there's support of public, but we all know that the the loud voices are the ones that aren't supportive, right? right. And so it's just this well, and I think- this this storm, the perfect storm mm-hmm. that leaves you all feeling so 
I don't, I don't even know what it makes you feel, but it's not good. No. And I think, you know, it's, it's such an interesting time. Like, I mean, uh, over my years, like obviously we've been busy, but normally it's busy with like, we've talked about before in the grand scheme of things, nine out of 10 of our runs are not horrific emergencies sure. or holy crap, I have to intervene right now before we die. Right. Like, right. Usually you have enough of the other stuff interspersed, you know, it's cool. But I think that in the last six months, especially since the whole Delta variant thing, because it, it's been worse. I mean, it's it has been worse the last six months. People are sicker than we saw last year. And that over and over really takes a toll. Like seeing this much truly sick and death and just and that helpless feeling of I you know I can do so much but I can't you know I mean I fix I've read account after account from doctors you know saying this was what the patient was and I and we knew that this progression was not it wasn't going to get any better there was nothing we were going to be able to do for him yeah you know um and I can I have not been in that situation thankfully I can only imagine that if you're an ICU nurse or an ICU doc and that is all you're seeing day in and day out for 12 hours at a time, that has got to kill your soul. Like, it's just got to eat at you, you know? And then on the flip side right now, like, I think what we see, I was on a truck the other day and we had a patient and she just kept going, I'm just so sick. I just don't feel well. And, you know, and... After a while of talking to her, she kept saying, well, I'm sure you all see all the sickest people. And finally, my partner said, you know, we do. And ma'am, quite frankly, like, if you can talk to us the way you're talking right now, like, you're, you're on the you're on the really good end of being sick. Like, yeah. you know, um, and it's such a weird thing to, like, tell people, like, hey, look, like, if you if you go to the hospital, like there's a good chance you come home with COVID if you don't already have it. Well, and I wonder too how much, so, I mean, you're seeing all these very, very legitimately sick people constantly. So there's not any downtime. They're very, very sick. You can't fix it. So there's all of that going on, right? Mm -hmm. And I would imagine too, on top of all of that, There's also in the back of your mind the fact that at any given point that can be me because I'm being constantly exposed to this. And if it's not me, I could be bringing it home to my family. And so it's that added layer of scary (laughs) of uncertainty. And I don't want to say fear, but probably if we're going to call it what it is, just you know, that anxiety or or whatever, however you experience it of, of just the unknown. Yeah. Like this, every time I'm taking care of these, I've got all the gear and I'm doing all the right things. But. But. Yeah. Well, I mean, as an example, like we wear, so anytime we make a run, we have to wear an N95. Yeah. If it's a respiratory or anything that sounds like it's COVID, it's. So normally we're in N95 and gloves. If it's anything that remotely sounds COVID related, gown, eye protection, whatever. Um, the other day, our trucks were out and there was a, a, a fall, a lady that fell down and needed help up. Um, so I went over in the car. I had my gloves on. I had my uh, mask on. I shouldn't have. I mean, she was not complaining of anything other than I fell down. So I picked her up, got her back in bed, checked her out, all the things. Family was there with her. You know, I don't want to go to the hospital. I want to go to the hospital. Okay, cool. You know, I get that. We do this all the time. We go back the next day. She fell again. Unrelated, whatever. We go back. We pick her up the next day. She decides that her hip was hurting a little bit, so she was going to go to the hospital. They called me Friday to tell me she was COVID positive. So, like, now, you know... At first, it was anybody that was coughing or if you had a fever, you know, okay, we're going to take you as COVID precautions. 
And then it was, oh, let's add anything with GI stuff. You know, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. Let's throw those that in there too. Okay, cool. And now it's, are you a person who's breathing? Right. Any? <laughs> do you have any symptoms of anything? Actually, that doesn't matter. Right. Well, and you know, at first, I mean, a year and a half ago, it was, have you traveled? And man, we were so quick to, oh, you haven't traveled? Okay, cool. <laughs> cool, you're good. We're safe. And... Then that quickly became a null and void. And, you know, it was like, well, I'm not even going to ask him this. Like, it doesn't matter. It's, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, well, then you end up with a list of like 50 different symptoms. Right. Well, it's well, like, that's everything. No, so I saw something the other day, um, again, on Facebook. And it was really funny. Like, funny, not funny, you know. Ironic. But the funny. thing said like, um, you know, latest symptoms of COVID. And it starts out with, you know, a cough, a fever, like all the legit stuff. And then as you go through it, it's like, you missed a bill payment, your scalp itches, your you got caught at a red light, your right. alarm didn't go off, you know, it was like all but these. It does, but it feels like absolutely anything in the world. Yes. Ends up being a symptom. Yes. And I, I think it's just, I you know, we've talked about being that tired. I think the world is just tired. I agree. And instead of We've already done the tired that brings us together. Yeah, so now we're just done. And now we're just done with the togetherness. <laughs> and now we're done. I'm not done with being together with you. For whatever that's Other part. people. Other, I mean, I like some other people. Other people may be done with other people, but well, yeah, we're not done. Not us. <laughs> no, we're not done. Um, but no, you know, and I think it would be interesting too, and I'm sure there's studies out there on it. I just haven't had time to read any of them. Um because you've been busy because I'm busy um but I think it would be interesting to see you know 9-11 was it happened in a matter of a couple of hours Mm -hmm. and yes there was a lot of death and destruction but it was quick and it was all at one time sure and I would like to see the contrast to what we've been dealing with the last 15, 18 months. Oh, I see what you're saying. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, what people saw that day, and, like, those guys that worked on the pile, I think would be the the difference, right? Like, was I at work when it happened, and I saw all of that immediately and in one thing, versus these, you know, these ICU workers – that are seeing it daily. Well, and you, you know, that are having eight to 10 deaths of patients in a 24 hour period. Like, you could almost look at every any, 24 hours. You could almost look at any other trauma research, right? Mm-hmm. And look at instances of one traumatic event versus prolonged, continuous traumatic yeah. events. And I'm not to belittle one or the other. No, but they're both. There's, even if there's not research that's done specifically in what you're <laughs> looking at, right? Because we're still in the middle of one of, of those it, yeah. events. But I think there's a lot to be said with how we respond and how our, how our bodies and how our minds mm-hmm. cope with a traumatic instance. And then how our bodies and minds cope with prolonged trauma trauma yeah um i think you're absolutely on the right track that that there's a huge difference and that probably does then explain why there's a huge difference in how we as society or we as in you (laughs) in in the field are dealing with it so differently and experiencing it very differently at this point because it is this is a different kind of trauma yeah well, and I, um, so one of the docs that I follow on social media, um, he's he, from, I've met him several times at conferences, um, and like I said, following him on social media and he's very compassionate. He's absolutely has a heart for medicine. Um, he works in a smaller community. Um, you know, it's not glorious and he's not making the big bucks at this fancy hospital, Uh, And he does a ton of teaching and, you know, he's always, he's just very servant heart and helpful and wanting things to get better. Um, And he, he had a post, 
it's probably been two or three months ago now that he posted something and he was talking about how even he was starting to get this compassion fatigue of, you know, and he said, I said, I love my job and I love helping people, but I'm, I'm getting a little tired of helping people who have not done anything to prevent this or to help themselves. You know, they're not masking, they're not getting vaccinated. They're not doing the things that they could help Sure. The little things. And then they're coming into the hospitals yelling at doctors to fix them. You know, and it's... I can only do so much, you know. And and that even that's not really new. I mean, we've been making people for years that have lung disease that you walk in and you have to wade through the thick cigarette smoke and the piles of ashes and ashtrays to get to them. Sure. That's not a new experience. And then they're yelling at you because they can't breathe and they're short of air. I understand that, but I can't fix in 20 minutes the 40 years of smoking that you've been doing. You know, and I'm not I'm not hating on anybody for smoking. Like, everybody's got their vices. I enjoy my beer. Like, it's cool. But it's that... Someday when I need a liver, I shouldn't come complaining to you. <laughs> mine might be mine might be more of what you need. I don't know. But you know, it's that feeling of like no There's accountability. That pers- yeah, that, that personal responsibility. I don't have to do anything about taking care of myself because when I get sick, mm-hmm. I'm just going to go to a hospital and they're going to take care of me. And that's awesome. And that's always been how it is. Except that right now the hospitals are full. They're full. Right. And, you know, yet we're busy on our side of things, but that doesn't account for all the people who drive themselves to hospitals. You know, the hospitals are overflowing. We've been busy at hospitals for years. This is not new. Right. But now it's really, really sick people. And the nurses are forced to put them in the waiting room because they just don't have any beds. I had a nurse friend the other day was telling me that um, she was the front triage nurse. And she had a guy come in super sick, really short of air. Uh, his oxygen saturation was really low. And they she had no beds anywhere. And it didn't look like anybody was getting discharged anytime soon. Right. She said, so the best I could do for him was to put him on an oxygen mask in the waiting room and watch him. You know, and she said it's it's frustrating and infuriating and helpless feeling of, I know he needs more than this, but I can't do anything more. And half of that is because people still go to the ER for, you know, the random toe pains because they don't have a primary care doctor or their primary care doctor can't see them for six weeks right. for their ear infection. Right. But the other half of that is people are just really sick. Yeah. And there's no floor beds, so the people that come into the ER are stuck there. Get to stay in the ER, you know. And it's just it's so it's just so bizarre to have this. We we're getting to a point where it's like we almost can't fix anybody because we don't have the space. Yeah, you know, and we don't have the staff, and we're running out of ventilators again, and. What? But what an amazing picture that I think we we all know. I hope we all know that even those situations where I don't have the time and I don't have the space and I don't have anything that I can truly do, but I'm going to pour everything that mm-hmm. I can still into you because you are a person and I care. That's and, what I do. And that is what I do. Like, what am I going to do? I'm going to save you the best that just, I can. Yeah. I'm going to help you. Yeah. Even if it looks completely different than it should. <laughs> right. And even if it doesn't save you, I'm not going to let you go down without a fight. I'm right. going to do what I can do. Yeah. I don't know you, but I'm going to do my yeah. best. Yeah. Well, and I, like, I read um, a buddy of mine posted something that came from, I'll 
would butcher the name. I didn't. I had to look it up to see where it was, but it was a city in California, um, and their fire chief. I'm assuming they they run fire based EMS out of there. Yeah. Um, but he, the fire chief posted on their city's webpage or city's Facebook page that the EMS units were going to start telling you they're not taking you to the hospital. Like they gave their crews permission to say, no, we are not taking you anywhere because all of the hospitals were full. He said, the hospitals are full. We can't keep taking and flooding the hospitals with more patients that don't need to go there. So please be aware that right now, if you call 911 and it's not deemed a critical emergency, we're not taking you anywhere. And I thought, holy crap, like, <laughs> how, how, do we get to how does that, like, we've all talked, I mean, I've been talking about that for 20 years, like, that, I, I've always said that'll never happen, because nobody wants to be the guy to take on the liability of saying, ah, we're not taking you. Right. But holy crap, this city just said, we're not doing it. And, and to think that what got us there was that we just, we've been abusing the healthcare system for so long that now when it actually needs to really perform it can't no it's been beat down so long i mean like, not that it can't it is it is and it's performing at its but utmost it, at all times but it could be so much more efficient sure and that's you know but to i mean to have actually seen in black and white words saying we are going to tell you no we're not taking you i thought oh, what <laughs> like I would never, I would never have told you that in my career I would see that. Yeah. And I just, it's like dumbfounding. That's crazy. But on the flip side of that, <laughs> I also feel like that's kind of what maybe we need, you know? Yeah. Um, the hospital system that I'm involved with, they put out a thing um, as of, I think it was Friday. It's a small hospital. It's not... My local hospital is a small hospital. Sure. Um, they had 23 COVID patients in-house on Friday. Which for your hospital is a lot. The highest they had at any point during the first wave of COVID was 13. We're almost double what, we, what our highest was almost a year ago. And we're not even into like... Blue and six season. No, and and We're I think allergy season right now. But I think what the frustrating part that comes in is like, you know, we all knew that first wave was going to be bad. We didn't know how to treat it. We didn't have any way to prevent it other than throwing a mask on our faces. And now we have a vaccine. We know that the mask worked to some extent. I mean, the masking and the social distancing and as much as everybody hated staying away from all the things like it worked and now we've relaxed everything and lord knows i don't i don't want to go back to not being able to go to dinner and not being able to hang out with my friends or go to a concert yeah but at the same time it's like clearly all of that did something that we're not doing now and more people are dying and it's, I don't know, it's disheartening. Well, and I feel like, I was going to say we knew. We knew that the second wave would be bigger. Because if you look at trends like that, sure, that's the way it goes. Right. Right. right? And so if you looked at it realistically, like we, we knew that it was going to come. And we knew that it was going to come. Harder. Bigger. Yeah. But, like you're saying, there are things in place that we can be doing, and it's hard when we see the fallout of this, and, you know, we're not all washing our hands as much as we were, and we're not, and and even if it wasn't going to minimize the spread of COVID, right, but we didn't see like flu, flu last deaths. year. Yep. We didn't see a ton of strep. We didn't see those other sicknesses. So even if we could help keep those back down to a minimum, <laughs> right. because those sicknesses don't don't need to then be filling up right. and making sick people sick, right? Like even if we're not fixing the pandemic by doing these things, we can in the very least 
be helping minimize the spread of some of those others that are only going to compound the issue. Sure. I don't know. I don't have any answers. I don't either. Like I said, all that has been on my mind. Yeah. Well, and I, I especially think with the whole, it just, and I always, it's funny now because now I want to talk about these things, but like in high school, you know, or college when you had to write a paper and it started with compare and contrast. <laughs> the first thing I did was like, no, right. I, I don't want to do this. But like now in my older years, um, like the things that are that drastically oppositional just really stand out to me and as a psychology major I guess maybe it's like man how does how does the mindset like well how is the mindset I mean we're talking about two tragic events and the mindset is just so greatly different right you know and I know there's so many factors that go into each of them right they're completely different experiences but but, but two tragic core, factors that in a hundred years were our kids, kids, kids is kids will be learning about. Right. God willing that we don't erase all of history. But how, you know, like yeah. How, how do you see that and not go? Damn, that was like that's crazy. They were just so. Well, and I think it'll be really interesting down the line to to compare our kids perspectives and perceptions of oh yeah of what they remember <laughs> to ours because like we grew up in like gulf war yeah stuff right like but i don't personally have a lot of connections yeah to anything except i remember one of my friends in school her dad was overseas and that was the closest i could really come to it right so I can remember being in second and third yes. grade and watching, I think it was third grade, and sitting and watching all of that breaking out on TV. But if, but now I want to like ask my parents, like, what was your experience of yes. that? Not that they were, not that they were overseas and part of it actively, but I would guarantee their perception and their memories of that are very oh, different. Yeah. And I'm sure this, that'll be the same for our kids too, yeah. like. I I know they're I all just gonna hate the letters NTI. They're gonna hate the letters <laughs> NTI. They're either gonna love technology or they're gonna hate it. Oh yeah. Um yeah. Nobody better name their kid Corona. They're gonna grow <laughs> I don't even know, does the beer have like a future after I, this point? Well, do you remember Corona it took a hit have a future? Do you remember that last year? Oh I do. It took a hit. I there for a couple months. Like it took a hit. Even gonna be around because I feel like people our age could kind of be like, oh ha, ha that's right. Funny. But I don't think by the time our kids <laughs> are of legal drinking age No, Corona will be that horrible thing that made us all stay at home for yeah, six months. There's no way they're gonna be going to the store <laughs> and buying that. I don't care how you market it. My kids aren't going to buy that. <laughs> They'll buy anything else over that. Our kids will buy different beer anyways. It's fine. They'll buy the good stuff. We'll t- yeah, we'll teach them about the craft beers. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it just, like, I, I mean, I think the, the biggest thing is going to be with the school, like, with school and, te- like you said, technology. They spent so much time on computers last well, year. And I wonder, too, how much adapting or how... I don't have the right way to say this, I guess. But there are so many kids that we we knew it was going to happen, but we're starting to see it now that they're back in school that just have no no business being in the grade level they oh, are yeah. because they're just not prepared. Yeah. Because of a whole host of reasons over the last year. Yeah. But our how extended our people's what does that look like? school experience is going to have to be and what does that look like what curriculum shifts are going to have to happen what changes are going to have to happen probably not right now while we're still in the thick of it but down the line they're going to have to do some major education revamps oh yeah because we're starting to see what we've been talking about or what they've been talking about for ages right you know just you know (laughs) problems in the school system like are really, really being in the spotlight right yeah. now because they're becoming glaringly obvious, <laughs> right? you know? Yeah. And 
and I can only hope and pray that good will come of it, right? Yeah, that hopefully we learn from things. That good things will come and good positive changes and good funding can can happen. Yeah. But, I say, if the last year taught us anything, it's that the teachers are worth everything. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I love our teachers so much. Yeah. I mean, God bless them because I was the first thing I learned was I'm not a teacher and shouldn't have been. I was well aware I didn't want to be a teacher. <laughs> I was reaffirmed of that when I was a teacher and was even more reaffirmed of that <laughs> last year. Yeah. I mean, you know I'll do absolutely anything, and I'll do the best that I can at it, but... That ain't it. Well, and it's, it's not, not even that, me. but but I think my kids really benefit from the input from other adults, yes. too, and there's so much to be said well, and the socialization. for that the school system can offer. Yeah. I mean, it, they, they, need, they all need to go out and learn how to function as little thems outside of home mm-hmm. and outside of mom and mm-hmm. dad and mm-hmm. yeah you don't you, that's hard to manufacture in a house yeah quarantined by yourselves right right but it's know, not even like we could do true homeschool experiences yeah. where you were exploring the world and really living no like, you couldn't do anything but you know i was thinking about too like i remember being i guess the first time i really remember using computers was probably third grade and I remember, like, we got to go to computer lab, you know, like, twice a week. Mm-hmm. And that was awesome. Like, loved it. Like, yes, like, can I get more computer time? And, mm-hmm. you know, that's what you wanted to do. And then I think about Coleman last year. <laughs> we signed him up for, a like, a paint class, but they were doing it via Zoom mm-hmm. so that the whole school could do it together. And, you know, like, oh, that sounds like a really cool idea. Coleman loves art. We'll sign him up. That kid was madder than snot that afternoon. Because he was didn't, online? He didn't know what it was. What he had been told was, tonight on the computer, we're doing this class. He didn't, he didn't understand that it, it wasn't required and it was art and it was supposed to be a family fun event. You know, like, right. I didn't think anything about it when I signed him up for it. I just signed us up because he likes art and it'll be fun. Matter than snot because he didn't want to have to do another computer class. Mm. And I thought, oh, I have missed this whole thing. Like, he's a really well-adaptive kid and he he bends and he flows with things. And I totally took that as he's good. He's cool. Mm-hmm. And it was like getting smacked in the face of crap. Mm-hmm. I had no idea this had affected him that badly. Yeah. Now, like, Ari loves to do, she'll ask me all this, she asked me this morning, she was begging to use her Chromebook, not so she could, like, play games. Well, she wants to either play a math game, (laughs) okay, have at it, my friend, or research. You have at it. They are so similar. But. That's exactly what Coleman was doing. Tell her she's got, like, I'm a Zoom meeting or something, and she'll do it. Of course she'll do it because she's supposed to do it, and she's going to do what she's supposed to do. Do I have to? Can we just do it in person? Does it have to be over? Mm -hmm. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Because interactions, you want to be in person. Because we were meant to be with other people. In relationships. We were not meant to be alone. Yeah. And even alone in your family unit, after so long last year, got to not be enough. Yeah. You know? Like, I need my my people. I need my other people. Well, because we've created... I maybe don't need all the people, but I need my people. No, but we've established the, re- the relationships we have in our lives for a reason. Right. right? Like, if you're in my life and you're an active part of my life, you're an active part of my life probably for several reasons. Yes. Yeah. And it's not to coexist in our own little houses by ourselves, right? right? I need those reasons to be occurring. (laughs) And you probably need them also. You know, it's not like we're just randomly in each other's lives. And those people serve their purpose too, right? Those people that just kind of flow in and out. There's a lot of purpose to that. I'm totally good. I love the people that just flow in and out. 
But if you're an established person in my life, there's a lot of reasons for yeah. that that extend far beyond anything FaceTime can offer. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, that helps and it's great and it's an awesome tool. But there's so yeah. much more. I need, a, I need to see you without a screen between us. Yeah. And yeah. No, I agree. I feel like we've kind of digressed from the original. Yeah, a little bit, but same story of our lives. Same principle, you know? I mean, gosh, think, you know, when the pandemic started, it was go to your home, you go to your home, stay away from everybody forever. Not forever, but <laughs> two weeks. Stay away from people for two weeks, and then we'll all be fine when we get back to life. Um, but, you know, I was thinking about it, too. Like, the night of September 11th, I remember being at... I went to boyfriend's house that afternoon or that evening and then his neighbor friend came over and then another friend came over and our friend group gathered there Mm -hmm. and nobody really talked. We didn't do anything, but we were all watching and we were all together. Mm -hmm. You were togetherness instead of separatedness. Yeah. And it, and I think that to me just like, Again, I think that just kind of wraps up all of this. Is yeah. September 11th was such a uniting event. Right. And COVID and the protests and the year that was 2020 and now 2021 has been such a dividing event yeah. or series of events, yeah. you know. Um, and I, like I said, a lot of the posts I saw yesterday and today – and I'm sure tomorrow too will be. Let's get back to the who we were on nine twelve. Mm-hmm. That's great, but we have to realize how far we've come since then. Yeah, because we started out whatever we were on nine ten twenty or two thousand one is light years from where we are today. Sure, you know, like we we weren't this divided. On September 10th, 2001. Right. So I guess maybe where I'm going with that is I don't feel like it was that big of a stretch for us all to come together because we weren't that far apart to start with. Sure. Whereas over the last year, I feel like politically, racially, I don't know, fill in any other ease, whatever's, (laughs) you know, but there have been so many things that have divided families and friends you know, that it's easier now for two strangers to decide we don't like each other just because you vote blue and I vote red or whatever that might be. I mean, when when you're at a point when that can divide a family, it takes a lot more, I think, to bring us all back together. Sure. And I don't know what that is. I don't know what it is either. I will say, I mean, and we've talked about this before, and I think Talitha on the last episode can be a great example of how all hope is not lost, right? Right. The last couple of years have really, they have done a lot of positive things. If you look at how we were able to kind of reprioritize a lot of Mm -hmm. things, trim down a lot of things, focus on things that maybe, you know, we were too busy to look at. I think there's a lot of, positive things that can come out of it but we now we have to work for some of we that. have we have to work for we have to work for it yes it's and not I the think, easy flip of right it's not our human nature yeah to just do that hard work and we're all in that place where we have to do that hard work right. of not only finding the positives but sharing them with one another and continuing to choose to be the good and to choose to show that love and Choose to show that compassion, even when it might not be reciprocated or it might not be easy. Or you might really have to think outside the box how to do these things and how to show love to your neighbor and how to show kindness and compassion to a stranger. Because it's not as obvious as it was, right? Because like you said, we're starting further apart. Instead of starting next to each other, we're starting on opposite sides of a bridge. We're going to have to work a little bit harder towards it. And we might never see the fruits of our labor, right? It might be our kids' kids that see the fruits of our labor. Or the friend of a friend of a friend who 
it's just kind of trickled down. We might not see the benefits of the kind things that we do, right? But that shouldn't mean we but don't we should do them anyway. Do them, right? We yeah. like to see things. We like that gratification. We like that pat on the back, and that can't be why we're choosing to do the things that we're doing. Yeah, and to choose to be the people that we know that we like, should be. Bigger picture, right? I like it. Yeah. All right. Did be kinder, people. Up? Be nice. Yeah. Be grateful you have a cup, whether it's full or empty, yep. or half full or half empty. Just be grateful you have a cup. I've got a cup, and I'm glad for that. Yeah. Yeah, I think we can. I think we've done good. All right. Till next time, then, huh? Right. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> go get you a cup. <laughs> get you a cup and fill it with whatever your heart desires. Absolutely. So that's it for this episode, friends and listeners. Thanks for taking a time warp journey with us there Through for a, a little lot while. Of winding brainness. But hey, remember, if you have a word for either a yes. happy anniversary or a sad anniversary, we really need to figure out another different word for one or the other. I don't care which one. <laughs> I love that you're like, one of them's got to go. It doesn't matter to me. <laughs> I don't care which one it I is. Feel like it, I feel like it would be much easier to find a new word for the sad remembrance event because anniversaries have historically been like, hey, happy anniversary. So, like, that's going to be hard to get that out of people's well, heads. it depends on what your life experience is. You've had a life full of happy anniversaries. So have I. <laughs> but I guarantee There's Joe people that haven't, sure. hasn't. So maybe they only celebrate. Man, how mad does Hallmark be- come if we come up if with a new word? If we change the new word. Yeah. We'll celebrate. Hey, Hallmark. <laughs> We'll give you the word. Just advertise the podcast. <laughs> right? <laughs> Little plug here and there. It'll be fine. <laughs> it's all good. All right, y'all. Everybody, have a good one. Be kind. That's all I got. <laughs> I was trying to think of something real poetic and it wasn't working. Good to end with, but I think be kind is good. I think that's a Let's great just way. start there. Yeah. Smile and be kind. There you go. I like so. it. All right. All right. Till next time. Bye, friends. Bye. You've been listening to Shifting Our Stories. Follow us on social media, on Facebook at Shifting Our Stories, on Twitter at SOS Podcast, or send us an email at ShiftingOurStories at Yahoo.com.